I don't know about you, but I want to figure out how to be a little more balanced. Life is full of chaos, adventure, and the unknown. I am on the search to hear from those who can make this journey more fun and easy as I learn how to be better to myself, enhance my health, and be a part of ending human trafficking. Hey everyone, welcome to The Balanced Girl. I am so excited. Today on The Balanced Girl, we have Laura Tremaine, who is an avid reader, writer, and enthusiastic podcaster. She grew up in a small town in Oklahoma and moved to Los Angeles when she was 22. Years of film and television production followed. And honestly, guys, she has quite a life that she has lived with so many stories. I'm really excited. She shares today um, about her book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, and her podcast journey. So join me today as I welcome Laura Tremaine. Thank you, Laura, for being on The Balanced Girl. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'd love to start off just talking about like where you started. I'm fascinated that you grew up in Oklahoma and then made the big move to LA when you were super young. Um, Talk to us a little bit about growing up and moving to LA. So I grew up in a really small town in Oklahoma, like a one stoplight kind of town. And I was always a big reader, which my family didn't travel much. So reading was sort of, you know, the way that I learned about the world. And kind of the older I got, even though I love Oklahoma, I love Oklahoma people. I had a really solid family structure, but I just knew, and I think this is from a lot of my reading, that I wanted to like be in a big city. And so when it came time for me to make that choice, I actually went ahead and went to college in Oklahoma uh, for lots of reasons. I was close to family. I got a good scholarship, like all the reasons you make those decisions. But then when it was you know, time to really be in the world, I, I wanted to move to London, truth be told, but I just couldn't figure out a way to afford it or anything like that. And so when you grow up in Oklahoma in the very middle of the country, the two like biggest, craziest things you could do would be to move to New York or move to LA. I had never been to New York or to LA and New York just seemed a little bit too intimidating. I just couldn't fathom like navigating the subway system. Like I was really, really inexperienced, you know? And so I was like, well, I'll just try LA. So I moved here sight unseen. I had never been here. I did not have a job. I barely had any connections. And I think I kind of thought that I would just be here for a few years and like, you know, try it out and then maybe live somewhere else. Like I thought that I was going to be very adventurous. But what happened was I moved to LA when I was 22, 20 years ago, and I'm still here. I've never lived anywhere else. (laughs) Well, I think you picked the warmer one, um, New York or California, but I I love that. I love what you just said that you just went like sight unseen because I think so many people can feel stuck, like whether it's location or career, you know, whatever. So I, all those kinds of stories just make me so happy. I love it when people get up and go and chase what they want. Well, I feel like there's times in your life when that makes more sense. I mean, that would be hard for me to do at this point with like 
little kids and, you know, other obligations, a mortgage, you know, whatever. But there are times in your life that where you have less obligations, where you're unencumbered or where you are super seeking a huge life change. And if you're able to do it and you have the desire to do it, I think people should. I mean, I look back and I think, God, that was sort of dumb in a way. But like the dumbest decision I ever made was also the best, you know, so you sort of have to go for it, I guess. But that's easier to say when you're 22. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can relate. I moved to Ireland when I was 32. um, And it was, I instantly felt like I'm too old for this kind of adventure, but it paid off. (laughs) I got a husband. Yeah. yeah. It's really exciting. (laughs) Um, Okay. I have to ask you this because I am secretly a housewife's junkie. Mm -hmm. And um, like, millions of other women in this world, but what sparked your drive to start um, the Hollywood Housewives blog once you hit LA? Well, I will say I started the Hollywood Housewife blog before there was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes, I love them. So I I mostly just liked the alliteration, like I liked the sound of it. At the time I lived our house, I was newly married and had a new baby when I started Hollywood Housewife, the blog. This was in uh, 2009, and I lived literally underneath the Hollywood sign. Like, I saw the Hollywood sign outside my window every day. And so I thought that was kind of fun and unique. And I also was kind of playing around with the idea of being a housewife, like housewife tongue-in-cheek, because that sort of has a different, you know, it it has a tongue-in-cheek connotation these days. Like, I feel like it's like an outdated term, even though we still use it. And I was at home with a baby and never, ever, ever thought that would be true. I always saw myself as being a work outside the home mom. And so I was sort of playing around with my own identity, sort of making a joke about the fact that I was a Hollywood housewife, which has a certain like connotation of like being a trophy wife or some, you know, something like that, which is not how I am at all. I mean, that's not how I see myself then or now. So it was like sort of a joke and it, but it also was very memorable in terms of like a blog name or anything like that. And that identity or that sort of like quote unquote joke got more complicated as time went on because it was literal. I lived in Hollywood and I wasn't working outside the home, but it also, people sort of didn't, it it maybe didn't have the intended effect that I wanted it to have. Like people thought that the blog was going to be Real Housewives-y or something. And of course it wasn't. And so from a branding perspective, even though it was a good name and I had fun with it and blogging launched everything in my career that came after, like came from blogging. I can't say enough about writing on the internet and like how much that meant to me. But eventually I did realize like, ah, this isn't quite the right, this isn't exactly the name that I want to be known for. It's not quite landing or I'm not pulling it off, or there's something about it that's just misaligned. So I ended up, when I was starting to write less actually on the blog and moving towards podcasting myself, I felt like I just wanted to sort of close that chapter. I am very proud of that chapter and of that blog and of the work that came out of it, but I do understand that the the title has a, has a bit of a mixed message that people react to. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's why I think it's funny you did all that before Housewives became so big, but it's evolved so much what that word means. And I mean, even now, you know, what we deem as housewives is like 
sometimes it's not even a wife, you know? So it's like... Exactly. And that was actually with the rise of Real Housewives. So I think when I started, um, one of the franchises was already maybe in existence. I think they were in existence, but it just wasn't as popular. Yeah. As time went on into the 2010s, as I was blogging and there was Real Housewife franchises all over the country and it was becoming really, really popular. I think that's when I started to feel more complicated of like people thought I was like aiming to be on Housewives or they thought that the blog content was going to be totally different than it was. You know, I wrote a lot about like reading and mental health, (laughs) you know, and so I was like, this is such a mismatch because of the Real Housewives, even though I'm a Real Housewives fan too, actually, you know, so I, there's no knock on that. It just, I realized that it wasn't working for me as an online identity. (laughs) I I could relate to that. That's probably why I said closet housewife watcher. Right. Um, Yeah. Okay. So then you, you joined, um, Meg Teets hosted this sort of awesome podcast and asked you to join. And I mean, I would, I have so much respect for anybody who is a podcaster because I'm like a rookie over here. So talk to me about you started, joined as a co-host. What was that experience like? Well, so I was still blogging when my friend Meg T started Sort of Awesome. And she was really early in the podcast thing. Like podcast podcasting, like independent podcasters especially, had not exploded in the way it has now. So this was, I really shouldn't remember what year this was. <laughs> Maybe this was like 24, like 2014 or 15, maybe 2015. I don't know. It was, I was still blogging and I didn't fully understand what like Meg's vision was for just a girlfriend chat podcast. I didn't listen to anything like that, but there was three rotating co-hosts. And so I just said, yes, like I would love to do it, even though I didn't totally know what I was doing because it was such a low commitment. It was like once a month I did an hour episode, you know, so it wasn't much. And I was talking with one of my best friends. Meg Teets was one of my best friends. So it was like a very easy thing to say yes to. And then as we got more into podcasting, like we bought better mics and we started listening to other shows for research. Like we really tried hard to make the show better and better. I found that I loved it. I loved every aspect of being on Sorta Awesome. I loved, uh, you know, talking with girlfriends. I loved using my voice instead of, you know, writing behind a screen to that point. And social media was different back then. Even there was not so much video, you know, there wasn't TikTok or Instagram stories or any of that yet. And so all of my online work had been uh, written. I wasn't using video or I wasn't using a voice until I started on Sorta Awesome. And I found that I loved using my voice. Like I really enjoyed talking more than I thought I would. I thought that I would be much, um, I would better express myself in the written word. But I really liked talking and I thought it was fun and it gained an audience really quickly because there wasn't a ton out there like that at the time. And so I really connected to podcasting as I was winding down my blogging. So it kind of made perfect sense to you. I mean, I didn't really realize this at the time. I wasn't connecting all the dots at the time, but looking back, I can see that as I was winding down writing so much online, I just started to use my voice, which when it came back to writing, which I did because I wrote a book, when I came back to 
using the written word, I realized that these years of podcasting using my voice had made me a much better writer, mm-hmm. like actually doing both, having written online for a long time and then podcasting for years. Those two things, like, you know, I can self-edit a lot better. Like all of the things I was like, oh, this has just made me a much better communicator. Like there is nothing more humbling than listening back to yourself on a podcast (laughs) and realizing that you're like rambling, that you're not making sense, that you (laughs) use a lot of verbal tics or the same words over and over. You know, I learned all of that about myself when I was podcasting and it helped it helped my writing life and it just helped me like be a general better communicator. That's really, really insightful. And yeah, you're right. When I listen to myself back, I'm like, Whoa, I say like a lot. Right. <laughs> you learn those things about yourself and then you learn to stop doing them so much. You know, you you learn to sort of self edit, but it's, it took a while. It's a learning curve. Yes. That's so good. I, you know, you started, um, with sort of awesome podcast, but then you pivoted and you moved away from that and you went on your own and started the smartest person in the room, which that title is amazing. Um, what made you want to go from co-host to the, on your own? Well, mostly it was a topic change. So I loved being on sort of awesome and I love to this day listening to sort of awesome, But then especially, I really was wanting to handle some like sort of deeper and kind of almost darker (laughs) topics. Sort of awesome is very positive. It's really inspiring. And I was wanting to talk about like, you know, religion and eating disorders. And (laughs) I had all these things I wanted to talk about. And while Meg, the host of Sort of Awesome, was very enthusiastic, she was like, I'm just not sure this is like sort of awesome is the right place for some of those topics. And so she with me, actually, she helped me produce Smartest Person in the Room, where we could take some of the the deeper topics that I wanted to take, and I did them in a series format. So I would just do like four to six episodes on one topic. And we did religion, internet culture, Hollywood, um, race. We just did some things that I'm like really proud of over on that show. And it let me talk about some of those things and interview people. I also think Sort of Awesome um, only occasionally does interview type shows. And I really wanted to do interviews then. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so sort of smartest person in the room allowed me to do that. And then after I did that for a while, I also then realized I wanted to do solo shows, which were becoming a little bit more popular I think in the beginning, as people were getting into podcasting, solo shows, but people weren't sure how to take them. Like just one person talking into a mic for however long, like it seems like it would be boring. Yeah. But there were certain things that I wanted to do that that I wanted to talk through um, that were going to be solo. And so I ended up launching, after several years of doing Smart Person in the Room, I ended up launching 10 Things to Tell You, which was a mix of solo shows, just me. And then also interviews. And that just sort of scratched all of my itches. And I'm glad that I started that show after I had already been on two other shows. So I'd really tried multiple podcast formats until I felt like I knew what I was best at, knew what kind of show I would want to listen to, and therefore the show I wanted to create. And so I was able to do 10 Things to Tell You for 150 episodes, three years of that show. And I just recently... 
after I wrote a book that kind of came out of that podcast, I just recently closed 10 things to tell you so that I could write another book, a second book. That's amazing. What What's one of your favorite episodes or memories of uh, your podcasting? Of all the podcasting? Sure. Well, I am especially proud of talking about mental health over the years. I actually started that on Sorta Awesome. We did two episodes about anxiety there during my time there. These are several years old now. I don't think the content is dated necessarily. They're just a little bit harder to find. And I felt like it was really important for me to talk about anxiety and my childhood anxiety, my postpartum anxiety. Now, people talk about that a lot more than they do. And I'm so I'm so grateful that the kind of online conversation around mental health has really evolved. Mm. But when I first did that, there weren't a lot of people talking about mental health unless it was very extreme, like extreme depression or extreme anxiety that, um, you know, people talk about a lot of interventions and things, but people I felt like weren't talking about mental health in a way that a lot of us deal with like just day to day. And so I wanted other women, especially to, you know, hear someone else saying like, this is what anxiety feels like for me. And some people had never didn't even realize that they had anxiety or didn't even realize that maybe they had had some postpartum stuff because no one talked about it, um, you know, in, until it was really, really far down the road. And then sometimes we do hear about it, but people weren't hearing about it in these in in the early stages of it where you can catch it or, or be aware of it or talk to a doctor or just, um, you know, sort of understand what is happening with you. And so I, I'm really proud of talking about a lot of anxiety over the years. And then on 10 Things to Tell You, I love talking about books. Like that, I had book episodes every several weeks because that's like one of my favorite topics about all time. And so I love, those are some of my favorite episodes that I've put out is um, reading and books and then mental health. You know what? I think it's time for a sneaky break. Are you looking for some motivation in the kitchen? I have just the cookbook for you. Dining and cooking always felt like riding a bike through fire. <laughs> but once I realized I could make things simple and food could taste so good, I fell in love with the kitchen. Simply Balanced is full of simple, delicious, healthy recipes free of gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. Head to KinseyPentecost.com and use the Balanced Girl for 10% off today. Now, let's get back to The Balanced Girl. You pivoted from podcasting um, to writing right as COVID hit. And I don't know if you were planning on writing during COVID or if that was a surprise, because I'm trying to imagine how you navigated work life, kids, husband, COVID, and um, writing at the same time. Well, it was terrible. I mean, it was so... (laughs) I mean, I'm sure anybody could say that, but I you know, live in Los Angeles, which had one of the strictest lockdowns in America. And so, and I know other parts of the world had even stricter lockdowns, but here we were really locked down. I have kids that are in elementary school who are suddenly doing school at home. My husband is a producer director 
all Hollywood productions shut down. So he was also at home. Um, we, you know, we have a beautiful, lovely space. And so we weren't exactly on top of each other, but I was writing my first book and that requires a lot of, uh, brain space that I felt like I did not have because there was so much noise and stress. You know, the world was under such stress. I had in fact written most of the book before the pandemic hit. So I got my book deal that came out of my podcast. I got my book deal in 2019. And so I wrote it through the you know back half of 2019 and had just turned in a very first draft in February of 2020. So I got like my edits back in March of 2020 as the pandemic hit. And the edits, any, any author will tell you, the edits are harder than writing the book actually. Mm-hmm. And so I had to buckle down those first few months uh, you know, and work on the book in like the hardest phase of writing the book. But the book was about connection. And so from a timing perspective, it came out in February of 2021. So we were a, exactly a year into the pandemic when a lot of people were needing connection. And we're, you know, we had had this very stressful year sort of together collectively. People were lonely. People were feeling disconnected from loved ones and friends. And I do feel like, even though I wouldn't have chosen this path had I known, that when Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, that's my book, when it came out, it did hit at a time when people really needed it. Mm. And so it all sort of worked out in a big picture way, but the journey of it was rocky. (laughs) I can only imagine. I mean, I love the title, Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. I think in my experience of leading um, a team of 80 and having a lot of women under me, um, if I went first is when I saw others share. And so I just think it's so relevant, um, your topic, and it's, it's so needed right now. I think going from this state of disconnection and being told to basically be disconnected and kind of relearning how to connect again. Um, what, you know, what kind of challenges would you say, um, come with your, you seem so like, yep. Okay. I'm going to move to this podcast or I'm going to write this or move to this. Like what prompts you Do you just go off your gut or how do you move from onto a new project in such big ways? So I do listen to my gut or my intuition or my inner voice or whatever you want to say. I think I do listen to it and follow it and trust it. That's after years of honing that skill. But more importantly than um, starting something new by listening to my intuition, I think truly one of the things I'm best at in all the world, like I think one of my gifts is knowing when something is over. Mm. And because starting something new it is, um, you know, there's all the fun things of starting something new. It's like, it's exciting. You have a lot of energy behind it. You have a lot of ideas. It's actually harder to end something in my opinion. Like, and that's anything that's a work thing. That's relationships. That's, you know, moving houses. That's, you know, any, any big change. It's a lot harder to end something for me than it is to start it. And I haven't always been good at knowing when to end, let's say relationships, for example, but 
in the last, probably since I've become a mom, maybe in the last 10, 12 years, I guess, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at knowing like, oh, this era is over. And it's sometimes it's devastatingly sad. Like if you're talking about a friendship or, you know, moving, uh, we moved houses last week, uh, not last week, last year. And so I have that kind of on my brain. And sometimes that's really sad and involves a mourning process. But I think if people listened more to their intuition about ending something versus beginning something, it would cause a lot less angst. I think people stay in places way too long. They stay in relationships. They stay in careers. They stay in cities or houses or whatever way too long. And I know that we all have good intentions behind that. Like we want to see something through. We want to honor a commitment. You know, change is scary. Like there's a lot of reasons why we do that. But I think if more people decided to to change it up, then there would be like less long-term repercussions sometimes. I, that's easy said and done. There's a ton of privilege that comes with being able to change things up. I, I do want to acknowledge that, that not everyone can just like up and move or up and change careers or like I'm not, I'm not making it sound easy, but it just seems like as I get into my 40s, like very solidly midlife, a lot of people are having these conversations around their careers, their marriages, where they've chosen to live in the world or whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things are the thirties. We just have in our thirties, a lot of times we just have our eyes down and we're like just grinding through whatever. And then in our forties, it feels like a lot of people look up and is like, what am I doing? What's happening? Well, you're speaking to my soul right now. I'm 39 turning 40 and um, it's always good when I start taking notes. So <laughs> I love that. And I, I agree with you. I think these are the conversations. Um, a lot of my friends and anyone I know going in that journey into their 40s, that topic of, and you see people wrestling, but you see so many that are just staying and they're going to stay in that spot where they know they should be bold and do something new. So I love that. I want to go back to your book for a second, because would you like to share the first question in your book, what that is? The very first question in the book. So the book is set up like my podcast was set up where each chapter asks a question, like a, it can be a conversation prompt, a journal prompt, however you want to think about it. And then in the book, I answer the question in essay form you know, on the podcast, they were sort of maybe lighter questions. The book are sort of big life questions. But the very first question in the book is, who are you? And it's almost the most important question in the book. And it's funny because my publisher, when I when I wrote the book and I had all 10 questions, actually originally had more than 10, that I wanted to be chapters in the book, the publisher suggested that maybe the who are you question should be the last question. Like you read all the book um, you know, you're getting to know yourself, you're being all introspective. And then by the end, the very last question, you can maybe like further, like better define who you are at the end of the book. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We are going to start with who we are because how I'm asking this question is not like your like deepest soul self. <laughs> Although, of course, if you are that type of personality, maybe you can answer it that way. 
But I want, when I ask, who are you? I want the first thing that comes to your mind. That's how I want you to answer this question. Because I think that you might surprise yourself and you might surprise others with where you're finding your identity. Like, is it in your motherhood? Is it in your career? Is it in where you're from? That was a big deal for me. A huge part of my identity. This is one of my answers. Like one of the biggest parts of my identity is that I am from Oklahoma and I choose to live in California. And those are really, really contrasting states and cultures. And so that's a big part of my personality that I kind of know both sides of America in, you know, having grown up in one place and now choosing to live in the other. And so there's so many places that we can find identity that we don't necessarily think about. Maybe it's in the way we dress. Maybe it's in, you know, the way we style our home. Like we take a lot of pride in that. That maybe not would be like the very first thing that you would answer, like, oh, I'm a stylish person or whatever. But as you're reading through the chapter and hopefully getting ideas for where you find identity, I wanted people to start with that in mind so that they sort of have those in their head, like, oh, I'd never thought about it, but I really do find identity in in where I choose to live, for example. That they're holding that in their mind as they read through all the rest of the other questions and prompts, that they kind of started with a sense of self. I don't want us to come up with this wonderful essay at the end of who we are. I want us to start with a sense of self. And maybe that morphs as you read the book. Maybe you think, oh, well, I hadn't I hadn't thought of this other thing or, or this other aspect as I'm reading. But I want us to start in our conversations and in our journaling and in our reading this book with a sense of self. And this is something I preach all the time. So I feel like it's something I think about all the time. But a lot of people do not. A lot of people do not think of who they are um, on a regular basis, you know, and I kind of wish people would because then you can really highlight, like if you realize that you are really proud of your personal style, but maybe you're shy about it, if you can be like, oh, actually, this is part of my identity, then you can really like march forth and highlight your sense of style you know, because now you've been like, oh, this is actually something I really do take pride in and want other people to know about me. But if you don't take a moment to identify that about yourself, this is why I think, you know, we end up sort of being like in our 40s, as I already said, being like, well, who am I? What am I doing? And so I'm hopeful that the book Beyond having great conversations will sort of help people really identify who they are, who they want to be, what parts of their past has made them who they have become. Like all of that, like a lot of the book, even though I did not consciously know this until I'd already written it, a lot of the book is about identity and like who we are. I love that. I'm going to link your book if you're not already hooked. I don't know how you couldn't be, but there's so many topics we don't have time for today um, from your book that I'm obsessed with. So um, make sure you get a copy and... um, and read it. It's amazing. Share your stuff. I'm excited. I'm going to do a giveaway of your book as well, Laura. So um, yeah, we're going to get it out there. So I just thank you so much for being on the balance girl. I love to end on um, just what's next for you. I, I read that you're writing a new book, but what can we expect to see next from you? Well, I am writing a new book. It will come out next spring, so spring of 2023. So we have a little a little bit of time before that. And I have closed my podcast, but I am regularly on 
Instagram. And one of the things that I do there that I really love is I host reading parties. They're on Instagram Live where a Hundreds of people literally will come together and we will read together for 20 minutes. That's it. It's just a silent Instagram live, but we're all logged on reading together. That's one of the things that I'm really into right now, taking a lot of uh, pleasure in online. And then I also have um, a membership site, a Patreon where I have a book club. So if anybody is looking for an online book club, it's called Secret Stuff. Secret Stuff Book Club is my thing. And I just feel like, especially in the pandemic, a lot of people are looking for ways to connect. And even though it's over Zoom, it really does what you really can connect over Zoom, actually way more than you think you can. We've had a really wonderful group there. So those are the two, those are two things that are sort of happening for me right now, next for me until my book comes out next year. I love that. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining us. And I look forward to um, continuing to follow your journey on Instagram and read your next book. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Laura, thank you so much for joining The Balanced Girl. I love what you said about how it's just as important to know when something is over and not just when something new is going to begin in your life. That a lot of times we focus too much on the new and not about letting something go, whether it's a career a location you live in, a relationship. I love that. Thank you for your wealth of experience and everything you shared with us. We look forward to reading. Share your stuff. I'll go first if you haven't already. And guys, check her out. Check out her Instagram. She's amazing. Thank you for joining The Balanced Girl. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already so you do not miss one episode.